0: We so thank you for joining us at Connections Podcast. We, as educators of human connection, invite and encourage healing and facilitate personal growth through impeccable honesty, rigorous personal responsibility, and vulnerable humility. We invite everyone who's interested in gaining greater connection with oneself, others, and God to continue on your educational road to happiness and joy through our simple yet life-changing three-step curriculum. First, search our library for personal learning, podcasts, videos, and workbooks. Second, register with our classroom for familial, parental, expert, and business classes. And third, join our community for personal coaching and group practicums. Thank you again and enjoy our podcast. Shalom and welcome. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to be talking about relationships and how all of us are desiring to have relationships that actually have connection in them. And in order to have connection, you must learn how to be emotionally honest. So inside emotional honesty. The outcome is peace. It's peace. And so today when I welcomed you and said Shalom, Shalom is a Hebrew word that many Jewish people uh, use to um, invite and relate to peace. So when I was in Israel and Jerusalem in particular, pretty much everybody we interacted with, uh, they would say, shalom, shalom. When, when we were coming, when we were leaving and I asked our tour guide, like, what exactly does that mean? He said, it means peace. It's a salutation of peace. And what a beautiful thing to wish, to wish each other peace, like peace on your journey, peace in our relationship. And so shalom to all of you who are listening today. So let's talk about relationships Our primary relationship is with ourself and those of us who believe in God or those of us who believe in a higher power, we simultaneously are creating and maintaining a relationship with God or our higher higher power uh, at the same time, which means that we have to be emotionally honest inside of ourself so that we can have a relationship of peace slash connection. So what exactly is emotional honesty and how does it differ from just being honest? So honesty means being free from deception. So let me stop there for a minute. Free from deception. Wouldn't it be great (laughs) if you had relationships that were just free from deception Wouldn't it be great if you were a being who is free from deception? I know that's one of my goals. I want to be free from deception, free from deception. And that is a lifelong um, opportunity, challenge, uh, unconscious, trying to make conscious thing. And so as we talk about emotional honesty creates peace slash connection, which is the title of our podcast today, I want to draw this image in your mind of a triangle, and at the base of the triangle, so from one point of the base to the other point of the base, I want you to think of three characteristics, honest, responsible, and humble, and then I want you to draw a line in the middle of that triangle, well, it's kind of like a fourth of the way up or a third of the way up, and then... um, Write the words safety and trust in the middle of that triangle. And then make another line uh, at the tip and put connection. So you have at the top, at the pinnacle of the triangle, you have connection. In the middle, you have safety and trust. And at the base, the widest two points, you have honesty, responsibility, and humility. And you can see that that base is really wide. Because when you live those principles of honest, responsible, and humble, you will be a safe person. And because you live those principles, you will um, create safety for yourself. And then you can share that safety with others. You will be a trustworthy person. And as a result of being safe and trustworthy, you will have connection and therefore have peace. And If there are no other people on the planet that choose to live this way, you will be one of those people who is safe and who is trustworthy and is connectable at any time. Because those are the outcomes of choosing to live those principles. So let's talk about what emotional honesty is and how that's different from honesty. So we just talked about honesty means free from deception. Honesty means to be genuine, truthful, full of integrity, reputable, frank, honorable, real, credible, and just. So now let's look at how emotional honesty is different from just being honest. It's different in that it means we need to pay attention to our emotions and learn to be honest about our emotions with ourselves and with others. We as people don't usually pay much attention to our emotions Uh, Most of the time, because we're unconscious of the motives that are driving our emotions. So we need to know what we're feeling uh, so that we can be aware of what we're then going to choose. So being emotionally honest is the practice of being aware of what you feel and therefore knowing what you think exposing yourself to yourself in such a way that you are honest with all that you think and all that you feel. Emotional honesty means that all of your internal dialogue is up for inspection and examination by you. It means that you begin to live a life where your inside dialogue of honesty matches your outside expressions of honesty. Isn't that beautiful? That you live a life where you're congruent, what you think inside is manifest on the outside of your choices. It means you don't live as a hypocrite because you are unconscious or because your private thoughts and feelings don't have a volume button for others to turn up and hear what you really think. You're congruous. Be full of integrity internally and externally. Be authentic. Be mentally and emotionally clean and clear internally and externally. Being emotionally honest requires a nearly constant review of of your thoughts, your feelings, your motives, your agendas, your attitudes, your expectations, your beliefs, your fears, your morals, and justifications. Numerous times throughout the day, you must learn who you are internally and not just hang your hat on your external expressions of what you do or what people think of you. Many of us are duplicitous and hypocritical, mostly because we're unconscious. So are you one of those people who's unconscious? And if you are, I would invite you strongly to start recognizing how to become emotionally honest. So, again, emotional honesty is at the base of this triangle, which lends itself to becoming safe, and then out comes connection/slash peace. So let's look at what safety is. We're going to go back over uh, responsibility and humility here in a minute, but let's look at safety, emotional safety. So we just talked about emotional honesty. Now let's look at emotional safety and what it is. Being emotionally safe means I live a lifestyle of being honest, personally responsible, and humble. I create emotional safety for myself by choosing to be honest, to be humble, to be responsible, to be vulnerable, to be validating. I create emotional safety for myself by knowing myself, knowing my wants, my needs, my fears, my expectations, and being completely responsible for all of those items. So, wow. So what that means is, is that when someone does something or says something, I don't ever get to blame them for why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's always about me. I'm always responsible for what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what my, my, um, fears are like, nobody's doing anything to me. And being emotionally safe means creating boundaries for myself. We're going to be talking about that soon. So emotional safety means that I, and if I get into a relationship, I am aware of my own emotions and I'm honest with myself and the other person about my emotions And I do not behave in ways that are emotionally dishonest. So I don't get aggressive. I don't, uh, you know, continue to resent. Um, I don't blame. Okay. Emotional safety means I am in a relationship with myself and I don't do anything that will intentionally or unconsciously harm or hurt or undercut or belittle or disparage, deride, ridicule, slander, manipulate, or be aggressive towards myself or towards another. So creating emotional safety is a solo act. I'm responsible to create safety for myself and others that are the beneficiaries of that safety that I just created. Safety is the foundation which trust is built on. Neglect, abuse, cynicism, acrimony, ridicule, lies, deceit, secrets, manipulation, drama, victim, lusts, irresponsibility, and dishonesty violate safety. Attention, validation, vulnerability, awareness, empathy, respect, honor, openness, responsibility, honesty, foster safety. So you get to choose. You are responsible to embody all those characteristics to create safety within inside yourself. So that's what safety looks like. It's like, wow, I thought that when I was in a safe relationship, somebody else did it for me but I'm starting to realize that this is all my responsibility to be safe. And why would that be the case? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm really glad that my safety is in my hands because I can learn how to be responsible for myself and I can trust myself. I don't know that I'd want someone else to have that kind of power to create safety for me. I really enjoy understanding that I can come and go if I choose Um, as a way to create safety for myself and that I'm not putting all of that responsibility into somebody else's hands. So let's go down to that base again. We talked about honesty. Now let's talk about responsibility. So responsibility is another one of those pillars. There's three pillars on that base of the triangle. Responsibility is a constant, thorough examination of oneself. It's an attitude that says, I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible for three things. Ready? I'm responsible for what I think, how I feel, and what I perceive. Um, and, and what I perceive. So how I think and perceive are one. How I feel is two. And then how I behave is number three. Excuse me. It wasn't very clear. So I'm responsible for my perceptions, my interpretations, my meanings. I'm responsible for how I feel and my emotions. And I'm also responsible for the choices or the behavioral choices that I make. It is my choice to respond to my experiences and create the outcomes I will have in life. Personal responsibility is multifaceted. It means I am emotionally honest. I feel and express my emotions because one, I'm responsible for my emotions, right? I'm responsible for what I think, what I feel, and what I do, what I choose, what I behave. Um, I don't blame others for my feelings and I try to avoid, as an effort to try to avoid being emotionally uncomfortable, I don't blame another person. Personal responsibility means I meet my needs, my obligations, my commitments, my expectations. Personal responsibility means I do not blame or shift ownership of my choices onto anything or anyone. I make choices intentionally, with awareness, with thoughtfulness, honesty, and choices, and I'm humbly willing to own every choice I make and the outcomes that follow. When I make a mistake or fail to follow through with commitment, I find out how I've affected myself and others, and I'm willing to make restitution, make a plan to do all I can to never repeat the the offense. Personal responsibility is a pattern of great honor and respect towards myself and others. And as I choose to be responsible, it connects me with myself, with other people, with God or my higher power. Responsibility teaches me empathy and compassion for myself and others. When I'm responsible, I learn how I affect other people. I hold myself accountable to my commitments and for my mistakes because it matures me, teaches me how to be honest and frees me from distorted thoughts, selfishness and lusts and opens me up to love myself and others and God. Isn't that beautiful? All right, let's go to the third pillar and talk about humility. Humility is that other corner of the base of the triangle. So we talked about honest and responsible. Now let's go to humble. Humility is an acknowledgement that there is something God, truth, greater than me. And then a willingness to align my beliefs and my behavior to that reality that something is greater than me. Humility is a choice to acknowledge mine and others' vulnerabilities, their weaknesses and trespasses and offenses. It is a recognition that, quote, I am the same as you. Like I'm not better than you. I'm not less than you. A humble person examines behaviors of self and others, and they desire to understand and empathize with themselves and another person. When I'm humble, I'm willing to give and receive feedback and change my beliefs and behaviors to match what the truth is. When I'm humble, I am honest about my emotions. I do not hide them or stuff them. I am clear and direct and bold with myself and others about how I feel and how I perceive and think. And I take complete and full responsibility for all my emotions, perceptions, thoughts, reactions, choices, and their outcomes. Humility is also a position of surrender, meaning there's no desire to control or force anyone or anything. Humility acknowledges and respects the power of choice within oneself and others and desires to teach Uh, self and others to make wise, empowering choices. A humble person does not need to fix or control others or take over when someone makes a choice they disagree with. The development of a person's agency, along with the desire to choose truth, are the primary aims of humility. Humility includes an openness and willingness to ask for help when I need it. In other words, it means acknowledging and fostering my ability to be emotionally vulnerable and open with other people. Humility is a prerequisite to being emotionally honest and personally responsible. So that bottom rung um, of the triangle, honest, responsible, and hum- humble, is necessary for someone who desires connection. Um, so when I'm in one of those positions, when I'm in humble, I'm also in emotional honesty and in responsibility. And when I'm in responsibility, the other two exist. So I can't be in one without being in the other two at the same time. So that's kind of beautiful because it means I can just focus on one of those characteristics and the other two will follow And because I'm living those three principles, I will be a safe person and I will then be trustworthy, which then will create connection and peace. Just lovely. So you just have to hone in on one of them. All right. So let's go up to the next tier. We've already talked about safety. Let's talk about trust now. Trust uh, is not a free gift. It's really interesting. A lot of people think trust is that That, you know, I should just have your trust because I'm blood related to you (laughs) or uh, you like me a lot. And so you should trust me or um, I'm older than you. So you should trust me or we're married. And so you should trust me or I've known you for 40 years. So you should trust me. Or we uh, were in the same class when we were in elementary school, and so you should trust me. I mean, people make up all sorts of rules around trust, and the truth is that trust is not a gift. Trust is an outcome that is earned by consistent, here they come, honesty, responsibility, and humility. And you'll recognize that those three create safety. Trust is powerful, it's connecting, it's a beautiful, godlike, and fragile. Once broken through dishonesty, selfishness, neglect, or abuse, it's very challenging to rebuild trust. And depending upon the degree of the infraction, the person may never choose to trust you again. So we are each responsible to consciously choose whom we will and whom we will not trust. While we do give trust to others and ourselves, trust should not be given where it is not earned. So, for example, you would never give an eight-year-old a gift of a brand-new Lamborghini sports car and say, hey, here are the keys. Do whatever you want with it. Just be responsible. Even if you trusted that eight-year-old, you are aware that the child is unable to appreciate or be responsible with such a gift um, and, and, you know, they're not able to manage it. To give them such a thing would hurt them and set you up for offense as well. Yet when we choose to give our trust to someone who has not evidenced their trustworthiness, we are setting both ourselves and the other person up for uh, optional pain. Earning trust means evidencing to the person through consistent and ongoing behavioral choices, and I would say hundreds and thousands of them, the evidence that you are and will be responsible with and for the trust and the responsibility being offered giving a person anything they have not earned or they cannot manage is called enabling or caretaking and it is destructive to both parties. Trust is a sign of awareness and consciousness. Giving your trust to someone who has not demonstrated trustworthiness is a supremely destructive choice. Do not do it. Allow people to earn your trust Doing so will give them opportunities to develop their self-respect and self-validation in the process. And both you and they will have the possibility, if you both choose honesty and responsibility, to create a deeply intimate relationship that is not possible any other way. So indicators of a person who's trustworthy, it means that they know how to feel their emotions and be responsible for them. They're empathic, they're conscious. They're aware of other people and how they affect them. They're curious and they ask questions. They know how to problem solve. They think things through. They make wise decisions. They ask honest questions of self and are accountable and responsible with the answers. They're emotionally safe. They're consistent, honest, responsible, humble. As they manage their life, they have a pattern of keeping their commitments. A trustworthy person can be trusted in any situation. So here are some questions to ask before giving trust to someone. Can this person manage the experience they're being invited in to participate? Are they consistent about showing up for their commitments or do they show up sometimes? Do they consistently consider how their choices affect others? What are their motives? Do they live in truth or distortion? What distortions do I see them in? When someone is trustworthy They are charactered. You don't have to worry about how they'll treat you or how they'll treat your trust. In whatever situation, they will, again, give evidence that they are responsible, consistent, aware, respectful, and trustworthy. So we've gone over honest, responsible, humble, safety, and trust. Let's talk about connection and what connection is. And this is the outcome of this is the pinnacle. This is the, the, uh, fruit that is being born by living, um, honest, responsible, and humble, therefore creating safety and creating trust creates connection. Now, when I say living, what I'm talking about is this isn't about perfection and people always want to go to that. Like, Oh my gosh, Jody's asking me to be perfect. I don't even know what perfect is quite frankly. Um, But what I can tell you when I say live is that the second you are conscious, you are responsible to change, to move your dishonesty back into honesty, to move your irresponsibility back into responsibility. The second you're aware you are responsible. And that's what I'm asking for. That's what I'm suggesting live honest, responsible, humble means is when you become conscious that you go back to those three principles because they are the three pillars of connection. So connection is a central and spiritual, uh, emotional need of every human connection is the ability to know yourself completely and to share yourself with yourself and with others, with God or your higher power. Connection is an outcome of being impeccably honest Assertive, responsible, humble, transparent, open, vulnerable, validating. Connection means taking risks, sacrificing, and genuinely validating another person. Calm, peace, and empathy are the outcomes of a lifestyle of connection. The pathway to connection is impeccable honesty, rigorous personal responsibility, and vulnerable humility. Those who choose to pursue this course become conscious of... And can challenge their distortions, their fears, their addictions, their lusts, their selfishness, and find the fruits of love, empathy, um, intimacy, compassion, personal empowerment, spiritual freedom, and connection. How beautiful. That's your, that's your roadmap right there. So the truth is, is that I am responsible for me all the time, all the time, There's never a moment when I'm an adult that I'm not responsible for myself. It's a 24 seven thing. So if I don't feel loved, then I need to look at myself and say, well, why don't I feel love for myself? How come I'm letting myself look at you and say, well, because you don't love me, then therefore I don't feel loved. You can choose not to love me. That's totally within your, your choice to do. And it doesn't mean that I have this outcome of not feeling loved. That's about you not loving me, not me not loving me. So I am responsible for me choosing to love myself and care for myself and treat myself in ways that are respectful and valued. So I can feel loved. It'd be nice if you were interested in loving me, but for whatever reason, if you're not, um, I'm not devastated as a result. So I am responsible for me. And I'm responsible for how I conduct myself. Then I then share me. And when I say share me, it means my safety, my trustworthiness, my um, honesty, my responsibility, my humility, my vulnerability, my validation, my boundaries, my gratitude. Okay. All those things that create safety about me, I get to share that stuff with you. So I'm not creating safety for you, your job is to create safety for you so that when you and I interact, I'm safe and you're safe. And so we have safety between us because we bring a whole human being to the relationship that is safe, that is trustworthy, that is HRH, right? Humble, responsible, and uh, honest. And so we have the safety between the two of us because we both are working to maintain it. So let's talk about the characteristics. If I'm going to become this kind of a being, an emotionally honest being, a safe being, um, I will embody particular characteristics. So we've already talked about people who are emotionally honest are are emotionally honest, um, know, know how to be just honest, you know, so, you know, they don't lie about things. Um, they keep their commitments. Um, they tell the truth and then inside that honesty, they're also being emotionally honest, which means they share how they feel. Because remember being responsible means I am responsible for what I think, what I feel. That's the emotional honesty piece. And then what I behave, how I behave. Um, people who are safe are dependable and consistent, dependable and consistent. Those are interesting words. I really, um, honor the fact that I am very consistent and very dependable. I feel so good about me as a being because I know how I choose. I've been this way my whole entire life. When I make a, a commitment, it's, it's gold, you know, unless I'm, I'm uh, you know, physiologically can't get there. I show up for my commitments. Uh, they mean a lot to me. I want my word to be my bond. So if I shake somebody's hand, they know that I'm in, you know, shy of, like I said, me not being able to do it physiologically. Um, I'm in. And I don't know about you, but that is a really important characteristic that I value in a relationship, being consistent and being dependable. Um, an emotionally safe person is responsible, like I said, for showing up for their commitments. Um, they're humble, which means they're willing to acknowledge when they affect another person and they're willing to acknowledge when they make a mistake and they're willing to ask for help and they're willing to be teachable and they're willing to be full of gratitude. They're willing to show empathy, empathy. So they can empathize with loss and grief and fear and sadness and boredom and worry and um, quote-unquote stress and distortion, (laughs) right? All the characteristics that show up inside the human family, they know how to empathize with that, Um, which means they know how to validate and be vulnerable. That's what empathy is. And an emotionally safe person knows how to be honest and open and transparent with themselves. So once you can be a safe person Then you are ready to enter into a relationship with another. So depending on how much intimacy you desire with that person uh, will be the amount of safe that they need to bring to the relationship. So if you're going into a relationship, let's say you're going to go buy a banana and you go to the store and you... You pull off a banana and say, I'd like to develop, I'd like to go into a relationship with you and buy this banana. Now you don't need a lot of vulnerability to buy a banana. You just need um, monetary substance to exchange for the item, but it is a relationship. And so is my, is my money like real? It's not counterfeit, right? And I would ask the person, or at least I'm assuming that the person who's selling me the banana, that the banana is, you know, um, authentic as well. Like it's not from some, um, diseased farm or, you know, uh, that it's healthy for me. It's not going to hurt me somehow. So we have this dynamic that that we exchange. Um, and I don't need a lot of vulnerability here, but if I get into a relationship where I need more vulnerability, um, then I need to be really safe So the person that I buy the banana from doesn't necessarily have to be an emotionally safe person to, to a a deep degree. I mean, as long as they have a banana that is, like I said, not going to harm me, then uh, that's about all I need to know about them. (laughs) I don't need to know about their character and I don't need to know if they're responsible and I don't need to know if they know how to validate. I don't really need to know that stuff. But the minute you start inviting more intimacy, more uh, questions that are vulnerable, more questions that are um, about the person's motives and agendas and fears and expectations, the more important it is for you and they to be safe first before you get into that relationship. So it's like, how do I assess safety in a relationship? So I want to go over some questions of how to assess safety inside of a relationship. Because a lot of people just jump into relationships and they don't ever even think like, oh, I probably should see if this relationship is safe. (laughs) That's not even a thought that comes into their mind. They don't even know that word safety. They're like, oh, I'm attracted. So I I need to check this out because I feel physically drawn to them. I, I mean, that's just pathetic. It's like, come on, people. Um, We've got to grow up here and not just be drawn to somebody because they're physically attractive to us. Um, We've got to know if that person is actually going to show up and be present or if they're going to harm us in some way. So here are some questions you can ask yourself and also ask the other person as you're entering into a relationship. Do I choose relationships after sorting out who is physically, emotionally, and spiritually safe? Or do I choose relationships because I think that they're physically safe or because I think they're emotionally and spiritually safe? You know, so is it before or after? Hopefully you're starting now to think about, man, I need to slow things down and, and choose a relationship after I've sorted that out. Um, How does this person feel to me? I don't know about you, but I get cues when I interact with people. And people will say things and do things. And I'm like, hmm, that doesn't make any sense. Or what does that mean? I ask that question a lot. Like, what does that mean? And I'll ask them. So what do you mean by that? I don't understand. Or when you said this, help me understand what you wanted me to understand around that. Um, I just ask a bunch of curious questions so that I can hear their definition instead of me making up a story about them. Um, I recognize how emotionally honest they are and how do you do that? You just pay attention to how much they talk about their emotions or if they acknowledge your emotions. Um, I need to know my boundaries when I go into a relationship, any relationship. If I go up to the counter with the banana and the person says that's five bucks for the banana and back on the banana rack, it was, uh, you know, 50 cents. I need to hold some boundaries and say, um, it actually said 50 cents They're like, well, price changed. (laughs) And then I can hold a boundary and say, you know, that I'm not going to buy it. That's a boundary. But a lot of people will go, Oh, I didn't know that the price had changed. Okay. Here's $5. And they just give them the five bucks instead of saying, wait a minute, hold on. Who's the, who's the owner here? Why did it say 50 cents back there? And now you're telling me $5. It's like, we don't want to question the person because we get uncomfortable and that's what gives you and they information about you, like you're not willing to be curious and ask questions and, you know, maybe cause a little rift, a little water movement underneath your boat (laughs) by saying, um, I want to check this out. $5 seems really unreasonable. Um, do I focus on me changing myself? Like, do I try to chameleon myself in the relationship? Like I know they don't like certain things. So I try to change or I don't talk about certain things because I know that bothers them. Um, or I don't give them feedback um, because it will upset them and therefore it'll upset me. Um, do you recognize if they're genuinely interested in you or if they're more so just looking at themselves? I mean, who does all the talking in the relationship? does it feel like it's, you know, pretty much, Equalized or are one of you doing more talking than the other? That's that's very important information. If someone's doing most of the talking, high likelihood they don't have a lot of boundaries and they don't have a lot of empathy because the point is to get to know each other. To know each other. So if one person's doing all the talking and most of the sharing, the other person's not being known, is not being asked about. Um, do you feel a fear in addressing them about something? Um, and are you concerned about bringing up, uh, you know, thoughts, feelings, expectations uh, that they won't like compromise with you? So any kind of fear about bringing something up is a telltale sign that there's an issue. And if you don't know what the issue is, that's okay. Just take it back to someone that, you know, knows how to live inside truth and understands about distortion and say, Hey, this one, this went on in my relationship. And I'd like some feedback from you about what you think about this, because um, there's all sorts of warning signs uh, in between people in relationships. And if we can recognize those early, then, We can invite the other person to change. And if they're not interested in changing, then we need to nip that relationship, put a boundary around it and maybe completely cut it off or, um, adjust it to some degree so that, uh, it becomes a safe dynamic. So if you find a relationship that you want to be more vulnerable with, you know, a dating relationship, um, you know, specifically dating relationship, Um, or maybe you're a husband-wife dynamic, it's really imperative that you become the person's friend. If you're already inside of a relationship, you're already married, you can kind of back things up and say, I want to get to know you as a friend. You know, I know we've been physical with each other and we've got our money tied together, but I don't really feel like you're my friend. And I want a friend. I want to be married to my friend, to my best friend. If you're beginning to date, I would really impress upon you the need for boundaries around that dynamic where you don't bring physical into the relationship, that you just are friends with the person so that you can really learn about them. Um, Healthy relationships uh, are so rare, and part of the reason they're rare is because both people come into a dynamic, very needy, very wounded, very not safe. (laughs) And they don't even know that that that's where they're at. Uh, But they just feel like they um, need something. They need another person in their life. They need to be loved. They need to be whole. They need to know they're desirable. Okay. And that feeling, that need is very telltale to they're not safe. Like they are responsible to take care of those needs before they enter into a relationship. And most people go into relationships because they are wanting and desiring that need to be met by another person. When you are an emotionally safe individual, you desire to be in a relationship because you want to share you with another person. You want that companionship. It's not, they're going to complete you. So when I'm in a relationship that's healthy, it progresses slowly and gradually. I am free to ask any questions I have and receive answers that are to my satisfaction inside of a healthy relationship. Inside of a healthy relationship, I give validation and empathy, and it goes back and forth, back and forth, validation and empathy. And I don't feel distortion either by myself or by the other person. Um, I'm spiritually, emotionally, and physically safe. I'm encouraged to risk emotionally with them because I know that they'll be respectful and open about what their motives and agendas are. And I will be open as well. Hiding manipulative behaviors are not present. I am free to be myself without criticism or critique critique. Such critique is requested by the other person, um, uh, by the other person or myself. So, both ways. I don't feel criticized. They're not being sarcastic. So emotionally healthy relationships are based on, I'm going to, I'm going to share just a big long list of what is present inside of an emotionally healthy relationship. So get a paper and pen out and write this stuff down so that you can look at your core relationships and see if these characteristics are inside those relationships. And if they are, uh, you know, be very grateful, but if they are not, I would absolutely start working on that. And when I say working, I mean you. Like you need to understand why it is that you enable behaviors to go on in your relationship and or why you aren't showing up in a safe way in these healthy ways in your relationship. So not only look at yourself, um, but you can look at your your partner as well. So emotionally healthy relationships are based on self-respect And respect for others. Freedom. This is a big one. Freedom to be yourself. So many relationships that I meet do not have the freedom to just say and be and do and feel as they choose. They're scared. Like, I can't do that. Or that'll upset them. Or, you know, they'll feel offended if. That's not free. Their relationships have trust and safety in them. You're encouraged to develop your talents, your abilities, and your interests. You have boundaries and you honor your boundaries and you honor the other person's boundaries. There's limited drama. Both parties know how to get out of drama when they go in it. There's assertion of oneself and encouraging the other person to assert themselves as well. They have the ability to surrender and let go of what they can't control. There's vulnerability and validation inside the dynamic. Their safety to risk and expose oneself without fear, of criticism, humiliation, or embarrassment. Uh, they don't become defensive or guarded when I or they feel threatened. They're open to communication and discussion. There's no sense of control going on in the dynamic. They're transparent about all past, present, and future information and issues. They feel compassion for themselves and others, and they're willing to support others in this compassionate place. They are responsible and manage all their emotions appropriately. Anger, fear, sadness are all addressed and not stuffed. They quickly address issues. No resentments, isolation, retaliation are present. They know how to play and have fun. They know how to be spontaneous, and um, they know how to relax. They're responsible for themselves, taking care of their own personal issues appropriately without drama. They know how to uh, do their dailies, take care of themselves. They have a structured life. They know how to plan and communicate and intimacy and closeness are present. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. So that's what an emotionally healthy dynamic looks like. Those, Those are the characteristics that are present inside there. So let's talk about um, emotional safety and actually specifically what it includes. So we've talked about honest, responsible, and humble. Emotional safety also includes vulnerable, how to validate, how to empathize, um, how to have boundaries. Uh, There's honor, there's respect, there's value inside of a safe relationship. And again, it all starts with you. So those characteristics exist with you first, and then they move into your relationship with another person. So creating emotional safety for ourselves and others is our own personal responsibility. Healthy relationships can add to and support our safety, but they don't create emotional safety for us. Um, Example, when an adult is in an abusive situation, people often say, you know, they need to get themselves out of there. They're the only ones keeping themselves there. And they're the only ones who can get themselves out. We can't make someone else safe. That is their job and their responsibility. We can only illuminate a path of escape from destructive and unaware choices. But they have to have the opportunity to choose to come out or not. So let's juxtapose we just talked about what safety looks like. Let's talk about what unsafety looks like, the signs of emotional and physical unsafety. Again, I'd write these things down um, because all of us are inside relationships and we're all responsible to know what type of relationship we're in, primarily with ourselves and then with other people. And when I say other people, we if we're in an unsafe relationship with another person, it's because we are enabling it. They're not doing this to us. We are allowing it to happen. So here are some signs of emotional and physical unsafety. Obviously, physical aggression, such as touching you in any way that is unwanted, including sexually, so I cannot believe how many people have the, 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 belief system that says, if you're in a relationship, a marital relationship, a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship, then you just have the right to touch your partner whenever you want. And that is just not the case ever. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been married 50 years, you do not have permission to touch your partner in any way or at any time that they don't give you permission to do. And so when you have a safe, trusting relationship, then touch is very free back and forth because there's safety and there's trust. But just because you say you're in a relationship or you have a certificate that says we're married, that does not constitute safety and trust. And so you need to be very conscientious about when you touch your partner and if that touch is welcomed or wanted. Um, signs of emotional and physical and safety. Any kind of threats or threatening behavior, physically, sexually, financially, socially. If you feel scared, intimidated, patronized, demeaned, belittled, bullied, or punished, you are being abused. Hiding, lying, holding secrets, manipulating, blaming, behaviors, judgmentalism. Any kind of behaviors that are selfish or self-serving in any form, like you put your wants and needs before somebody else's uh, someone who doesn't follow through with commitments makes excuses somebody who doesn't hold boundaries or lacks responsibility to uh, honor your boundaries retaliation or retaliatory attitudes like paybacks and eye for an eye if that's inside your relationship holding resentments to justify aggression and anger refusal to take responsibility for their emotions and choices that's a biggie Um, You know, that's classic, classic victim. I'm not responsible for what I feel and what I choose. You're making me do this. An unwillingness to be humble, show remorse or regret towards people or things that they have transgressed. Uh, Unwillingness to be open and transparent about their personal history or their present day experiences or choices. So somebody who just won't tell you what's going on. An inability or refusal to empathize with or validate themselves or others. Aversion to emotionally risking and being vulnerable won't expose themselves in the relationship with another person. A lack of or unwillingness to create strong social support that includes open, honest, vulnerable, and emotional risking. A propensity to talk about the opposite sex or people in general in terms of disrespect, lust, anger, or aggression. Exhibiting controlling behaviors. So another way to say that is you feel controlled by them. You feel controlled. Now they don't have the power to control you because you'd have to participate in that, but it feels, you can feel the invitation. Like, let me take your choice here and do what I want with it, please. Okay. It feels controlling. Um, signs of emotional and safety are behaving and or feeling better than others or superior or an exception to the rules or smarter or different from others, elite or unique an unwillingness to look at oneself while being inspected or questioned regarding their behaviors, choices, or words. Going into distorted language, um, like self-denigrating language, I'm no good, I'm not enough, I'm bad, I'm unworthy. Expecting their expectations to be met by others instead of by themselves. Acting territorial or jealous about other people. Remember, jealousy is not love. Jealousy is control. So don't be fooled by that. So the signs of emotional unsafety are clear and very destructive to the person perpetuating them as well as to the person who is the recipient of them. The um, perpetrator of these characteristics needs to be confronted about their behavior and asked if they're willing to be humble and take responsibility for their choices and not just verbally take responsibility, but change their behaviors. That's a big deal. Like, am I willing to to confront somebody, especially if they're being really aggressive. It's like, am I safe to confront them? I don't know. Kind of scares me. So I want to talk about how we become vulnerable to choosing the kind of relationships that we do. It all starts in our ch- in our childhood. Now, I can't go over every single person's childhood and say, here's why you're vulnerable to choose what you did, but I'm hoping to give you some guidelines so that you can extrapolate what I'm, you know, some principles that I'm gonna hand you so that you can try to figure out like, why was I drawn to this particular presentation? You know, um, I look at some of my relationships And I am very aware of why I was drawn to certain relationships. You know, as I grew up, I was not allowed to have a voice. I didn't know that when I was a kid, but now that I'm older, I realize that. So I was not allowed to say, you know, I'm sad or I'm mad or I'm, I'm scared or I feel like I want to cry. I wasn't allowed to say any of that kind of stuff. My job was to quote unquote, be tough. That was the mantra in our house. Be tough, be tough, be tough. And so, you know, as long as I was being tough and I was being like, you know, one of the boys, then I got a lot of praise. But if I showed up vulnerable at all, um, it was really pounced on and mocked and made fun of and ridiculed by my parents and also by my siblings. And it took me years to figure that out. Well, interestingly enough, I was drawn to relationships with people who were very abusive, people who you know didn't want emotion to be shared and I have had a handful of relationships in my life where I chose those people I had no idea what I was looking for why I chose them until I probably was in my mid-30s started figuring it out Um, but wow did it ever shine the light on how childhood experiences really set us up to choose those characters that show up in our lives? And they too, you know, they, they came from childhoods that chose you. So how do we get into relationships that are emotionally and spiritually unsafe? Very easy. We enter into relationships that seem familiar to us. We naturally gravitate towards whatever feels and appears to be normal. Believe it or not, we choose relationships that are emotionally, spiritually, physically, sexually, financially unsafe because they are what we know. They look, feel, and appear familiar and normal. Familiar to what? Familiar to our childhoods. We all had childhoods and we all are heavily impacted by the characteristics, experiences, lessons, messages, fantasies, ideologies, people, loyalties, and so forth from our childhoods. Therefore, we have learned how to behave, what to think, how to respond, how to not respond, how to feel about ourselves, what to feel, what to not feel, and on and on and on and on and on. (laughs) So if I was told through covert messages to not be angry, because my father was an alcoholic and my mother taught me to always be kind, helpful, and make people happy, no wonder I chose five men who were all addicts and alcoholics and married all five of them, one right after another. Each time I discovered they were addicts, abusive, abusive and liars, I thought I was marked or possessed because I kept choosing the same guy, just different names and birth, different birth dates. I finally got help and figured out it was me that had the problem. My childhood history was never acknowledged or healed. And therefore I kept choosing the familiar. Wow. So it's all too common for those of us who have been physically abused or emotionally abused to believe we deserve abuse. Uh, there's no truth to that. Now you don't have to come from an abusive family to choose the familiar, but I want you to take that, that principle and look at your relationships and see how familiar your relationships are to what you grew up in. Now, some of you had really healthy dynamics and you probably chose some really healthy men and women to be with, you know, not just partners, but friendships or business partners. You know, good for you. You're, you're one of the few. (laughs) Um, Most people didn't have those kind of experiences. Um, And so they will choose whatever's familiar to them. Like some people were taught to caretake. Some people were taught that they had to fight in order to be heard and seen. And so they're going to choose what they're used to. Some children are, grow up and they're like, they're like the, the, the king or the queen in the house. Like everybody bows to them. And so when they grow up, they're looking for relationships who are going to bow to them. Like they just want what they're familiar with. So when you begin to date and choose a marital partner, many of us don't know there's anything precarious or dangerous in our relationship, even when that person is emotionally unsafe. Emotional and safety or destructive relationships patterns may be the only type of relationship you've ever known or experienced. So how can I change something if I'm not even aware that anything needs to be changed, right? That's where the humble part comes in. When I become aware of new information about my relationship, I must be willing to process it and become curious about it. Not accommodate and deny it or enable it with past inaccurate information because it's not what I want to know. It's not what I want to see. It's not what I want to hear. It's not what I understand. It's like, I want to pretend. I want to deny that this isn't what's actually the truth. So for example, I find out that my boyfriend's um, water has been turned off because of delinquency in paying his bills. Whoa, that's really important. <laughs> and instead of looking at that and saying, you didn't pay your bill? Why? And he makes up some reason. It's like, how many times have you been delinquent? That's information from you, for you. That's, that's smoke. <laughs> There's a fire there. You know, are you wanting to be hooked up with somebody who doesn't pay their bills? Because that's just a symptom of a deeper issue of disrespect, of irresponsibility, of, of dishonesty, of um, entitlement, you know, it goes deep, deep, deep. Here's another one. I notice that she feels entitled to have whatever she wants. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, here's another one. My friend tells me that he is struggling with addiction. I cannot tell you how many people find out that their their dating relationships are in addiction, and they just say, um, I'll say, well, how did uh, your boyfriend, girlfriend take the fact that you're acting out with addiction? And they're like, oh, they took it so well. And I think, oh, dear. They've jumped right into controlling dynamics with this person because, <laughs> you know, it's like they took the fact that you're uh, hiding secrets and lying and uh, manipulative and dishonest. Well, they took that well, huh? <laughs> uh, here's another one. She tells me that she hates herself because she feels fat and ugly and she wonders why I'm attracted to her. So when you receive this kind of new information, you need to take action and not minimize the significance of these types of behaviors in these examples. I need to look at myself and be willing to acknowledge and let go of destructive relationships and patterns if necessary. Look at yourself and recognize the destructive patterns in your relationships. It's the only way to be able to be, it's the only way to be able to see your history and how your history keeps affecting you. What worked in my childhood may be the very thing that is causing contention, conflict, and dis-ease in my present relationships. For example, it may have been inappropriate to say no to Granny May when I was a child, but as an adult, I have boundaries, and I need to assert myself in order to have my needs met. Um. I'm sorry, it may have been inappropriate to say no to Granny, but now that I'm an adult, I get to say no. As a child, I could only get attention if I screamed and yelled. However, as an adult, this aggressive attitude has caused numerous conflicts in my relationships. Here's another example As long as I got straight A's in school, my parents thought I was a saint. I never had any consequences. Now as an adult, I'm filled with resentment and entitlement. When I have consequences, I believe everything and everyone is out to get me and trying to make my life difficult. I'm a victim of so many circumstances. Because all of us had childhoods wherein not all of our needs were met, we learned immature coping strategies as the ones I just listed to you. As adults, it's now time to mature and develop those areas of ourselves. Appreciating that we all experience the emotional inadequacies of our parents and care providers, it is now our responsibility to learn about ourselves and to understand why we behave or react the way we do. It's not bad that we react, it's only immaturity, which means we lack complete growth or development. We all want to be mature and be completely developed and have uh, integrated growth in all areas, physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, emotionally. Maturity displays itself as a willingness to listen and respond, not react, to take responsibility for our own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and to be impeccably honest regarding anything and everything about ourselves. When we choose to practice maturity, we create emotional safety for ourselves and our relationships. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's a way out of this thing. And like I said, because we all started off in childhood, it's not about blaming your childhood. It's just about understanding it and saying, okay, I get it. I appreciate it. Now let me change. So let's talk about this next section. Let's talk about safety and boundaries. Boundaries are the sign of self-love. If you want to be a healthy individual, you're responsible to have boundaries. Um, if you're already in a relationship that is established and you're recognizing these characteristics of emotional and safety that we just talked about, um, you need to change. <laughs> um, you, you've got to heal yourself. Don't spend time focusing on the other person. It will just frustrate you and waste emotional effort. To heal yourself, you must learn about you. You need to know yourself. There are infinite things about you that you need to know about yourself. So let's just start off with a handful. The whole point of being alive is to learn about yourself on a daily basis. But let's start with some basic things that you can start learning about yourself. So get your paper out and your pen and start writing this stuff down. Here's some questions about you What do you like and what don't you like? What do you value? What do you believe in? What are your morals? Do you expect to be treated with respect, and do you treat others with respect? What do you want? What are your expectations? What are your motives? What do you feel entitled to? What do you feel justified to have or to do? Will you sell or negotiate or prostitute yourself? Do you engage in anything that creates guilt? Or conflict in you? Do you violate yourself, your morals, your ethics? Do you have boundaries? Do you honor your boundaries? And do you honor the boundaries of others? So in order to be safe, you must have boundaries. Boundaries are what sets you apart from another person. Boundaries say, this is about me. This is who I am. It lets another person know what you think. It lets them know all those questions I just asked of you. You have to know because another person can't know you unless you share you with them. And the only way to share you with them is to know you so that you can share you with them. So in order to set boundaries, you've got to know and understand yourself. Your boundaries are for you. Boundaries are what keep you safe. They're created by you and only for you. And you get to share your boundaries with your significant other or whoever you're in a relationship with and ask that your boundaries be honored because your boundaries are for you and they're there for your safety in your relationships. You can ask for those, those boundaries to be honored and respected. If any of your relationships do not agree to honor your boundaries and say, no, I will not honor your, or respect your boundaries. You need to evaluate. Well, you need to evaluate whether you're going to stay in that relationship with that person. You need to be very clear with yourself regarding which boundaries are negotiable and which ones are not. And don't allow your boundaries to be crossed and feel like a victim because they're not honoring your boundaries. The truth is, you are not a victim, and nobody is actually harming you. If you allow your boundaries to be crossed, that is about you. So if my boundaries are not negotiable, then I have to make a decision. You can allow the other person to not honor your boundary, or you can change your boundary, or you can hold your boundary and move away emotionally, physically, spiritually from the person who's violating your boundaries. This type of relationship teaches me that they're not interested in respecting, honoring, or valuing me in the relationship if they're not willing to honor my boundaries. I'm responsible to hold my boundaries. I am. Because this creates safety for me. If I don't hold my boundaries, I will enable unsafety and I will be responsible for it. So living with boundaries is a very healthy expression of love towards myself primarily and then to others. Boundaries are not threats or manipulation. They are clearly articulated lines that share with me, um, that share me with myself and with others. If someone wants to be in a relationship with me, they will respect my boundaries and I will respect theirs. So boundaries, incredibly important. Incredibly important. So here's how boundaries work. I have an image for you. It's called the safety door. And it's very simple. When I'm in a relationship that is safe, the door opens. <laughs> when I'm in a relationship with a the, the the relationship is not safe, the door shuts. So The safety door is an analogy or image of how healthy relationships can and do work. When intimacy, honesty, responsibility, humility, safety, consistency, connection, and trust are present in a relationship, the safety door opens. Conversely, the door closes because of dishonest, blaming, inconsistency, violence, judgments, criticism, and or derision, lying, etc. The door closes. I am in charge of my safety door. I'm responsible for my own safety, therefore it is my responsibility and duty to check in with myself as I engage in relationships and consciously recognize how safe or unsafe I feel as well as how safe I am in my relationships. So not just how I feel, but what's the concrete data suggesting. The choices other people make will always affect me in various ways, and it is my prerogative to respond appropriately according to my boundaries after I discover how I've been affected. So, for example, if my friend's spouse lies to me, which is their choice, and I feel unsafe with him or her because of their choice to lie, I need to be honest with them. Honesty means I share with them how I've been affected and how unsafe I feel. I do this by closing my safety door. Now, I may close it all the way or I might just close it partway. And I clearly explain to them that I feel the need to be more protected and guarded because their choice to violate the safety between us by lying to me. It is my responsibility to keep myself safe, and they have witnessed to me that they aren't safe in that moment. Conversely, if my friend's spouse shows me honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust in their words and actions consistently over a period of time, I can choose to change my behavior and feelings in our relationship to reflect the experience of increased safety with them. I open my door and allow them to be close to me. So the door opens when, when, okay, when either I or my relationships are honest, responsible, consistent, in word and deed, so they're congruent. The door opens when I or my relationships give or receive validation and empowerment. When they're willing to uh, repent and feel remorse when uh, my door opens when i or my relationships are willing to risk and be vulnerable live in integrity stay out or leave drama safety door opens when i'm curious about myself and others i don't engage in denial i feel and express gratitude i'm not judgmental or critical my safety door opens when i or my relationships are genuine and sincere um when um i or they are considerate of myself and others when I'm willing to own my behavior and apologize sincerely, when I have and respect boundaries, my safety door opens when I or my relationships understands emotions of myself and others and responds to conflict and is patient and not easily provoked and that there's no presentation of entitlement, like life doesn't owe me anything. And my safety door opens when I or my relationships are humble and take feedback. And conversely, my safety door closes when I or my relationships are dishonest, irresponsible, um, don't receive validation or empowerment. They're not willing to be vulnerable. They don't live in integrity. They spend time mostly in drama. They're not curious about themselves or others. They engage in denial. They lack gratitude. They're judgmental or critical. Um, I or they are insincere. Um, they lack consideration towards selves and others. They have little or no or or uh, weak boundaries. They react to conflict. They're not patient. They're easily provoked. They feel entitled and they refuse feedback and they get defensive. <laughs> so, and the door either slams shut all the way or it opens all the way, depending on what you choose and how you want to perceive Um, and, and really read the data points inside the relationship. So you can open your door crack. Or if the person has given you all sorts of evidence verbally and behaviorally, you can kick the door wide open either way. So we have gone over a lot of information of what safety is. Um, when I live as a safe person, I create honor And honor has very specific characteristics. Um, Safety and trust and connection are characteristics that are very attainable. And attaining those characteristics means to me living in honor and integrity. This lifestyle requires a willingness to connect with yourself and others in deep and emotionally intimate ways. And to hold yourself accountable and be willing to change as you uncover areas in your life that you need refinement in it's a beautiful process and one that brings joy and great satisfaction it creates a soul with incredible emotional maturity and sophistication and through this refining process we learn how to truly love without conditions so the characteristics of honor are persuasion, long suffering, gentleness meekness, love unfeigned, kindness pure knowledge, without hypocrisy and without guile responsible, honest, validation, humility, unconditional love, tolerance, patience, transparency, respect, valuing the worth of souls, which all create again, connection. So beautiful, beautiful characteristics. I sincerely desire that anyone who's listening to this podcast, that they will look at themselves. They will look at their relationships and, um, and say, okay, in this particular dynamic, I, um, am not safe and here's why. And it's always going to be at self first. Like I'm not safe because I enable this person's entitlement. When they go into entitlement, I go into fear and I want to control it. So I don't confront it. I just do what they want and it keeps it going. Okay, so when you see a characteristic in one of your relationships, don't just look at them. You've got to look at you because there's some part of you that is allowing that to go on. And if you need help, call somebody and let them help you see what your part is in that dynamic. If you call somebody up and they say, oh yeah, that's about them. You're, you're missing the Titanic. I understand that it is about them, but you can't change them. You can only change you. So you need someone who's going to help you see you so that you can then change you, which then as you change you, it will um, give you the strength and the power to be able to invite them to change. So I want to end uh, this podcast with change, the process of change. Once you have clarified your part in the dynamic and you've practiced being really honest about what you need to do to change and you've been practicing changing, you then need to confront the issue with the other person. So that's step number one, confront the issue with the others, with the other person. And then two, and you can do this with yourself, confront the issue with yourself. Okay? So this is the same process of change towards self or towards someone else. Number two, acknowledge the truth about the issue by ascertaining facts from yourself or the other person be emotionally honest with yourself and them and accept others emotional responses um number three validate the person that they've harmed or affected so That's the third step. So if this is about you, then you need to validate yourself. You need to have compassion for yourself. If this is about somebody else and you're inviting them to change, they need to validate you or whoever they've injured and they need to have compassion for the things that they've done unto you and how they've affected you. Step number four, you and they need to share sincere remorse and sorrow and guilt for what you've done to you or to anyone else that you've affected You need to empathize with yourself. Don't go into distortion and beat yourself up. Just empathize. And if it's another person, then have them empathize. Um, Make sure you don't go into distortion because distortion versus remorse and guilt, they kind of get mixed up with each other. So make sure you go into uh, remorse and regret instead of distortion. And then step number four, you need to repair the dynamic. You need to make restitution and reparation to the person, or if this is about you, you need to repair your relationship with yourself. Number six, make a plan to never repeat the offense. Like here's what I'm going to do. So I don't repeat this. And if it's the other person, then they need to make a plan to not repeat it. And then number seven, cr- uh, execute that plan and don't repeat the offense. And number eight, be consistent. Show consistency, follow through with your plan and show up consistently in humility and transparency so that you can then quote unquote, trust yourself. And if it's towards somebody else, that person can see that you really are trustworthy because you have said these things that you feel sorry for. You've said you feel remorse. You say you want to change and your behavior is congruent with what you've been saying over and over and over and over again. Remember that pyramid, okay, that triangle, honest, responsible, humble, lends itself to creating safety. Safety then creates trust and trust creates connection. Thank you for joining me today. That is a lot of information. I invite all of us because we're all in relationships primarily with ourselves. So start with self, look at yourself, Take responsibility, be honest, be humble, create safety for yourself, and then go look at your relationships and see what needs to be shifted in your relationships. Invite your relationships to listen to this podcast as well, because everybody is responsible for their own safety inside themselves, and then to share them with another person. Take care. We'll talk soon and stay connected. We so appreciate you and your support in spreading this crucial message to your family, your friends, and your coworkers. Your greatest compliment to us would be for you to refer your loved ones to the podcast and classes at connectionsclassroom.com. Please go on to YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram and follow us for continual education, motivation, and truth. Stay connected, my friends.